The Behavioral Corner is produced in cooperation with Retreat Behavioral Health, where healing happens. Hi and welcome, I'm Steve Martorano and this is The Behavioral Corner. You're invited to hang with us as we discuss the ways we live today, the choices we make, the things we do, and how they affect our health and well-being. So you're on the corner, the behavioral corner. Please, hang around a while. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Behavioral Corner. It's me again, Steve Martorano. If you haven't uh, discovered us by now, we're the podcast about everything, because everything affects our behavioral health. Um, And so we can range far and wide to find folks to tell us about what they're doing and how that plays into what we're looking for, which is information uh, that can help you live better, make better decisions, be spiritually sounder, physically fit, the whole nine yards. Anyway, it's all made possible by our underwriting partners, Retreat Behavioral Health, and you'll hear more about them down the road. You know, it's a rare person that can combine one passion and make it their life, but Three is a a really amazing trifecta. The three passions of our guest today are travel, yoga, and service to others. That's a a pretty nifty triple play. And it is what uh, our guest, uh, Jordan Ashley, has accomplished. Um, Jordan is the founder and executive director of Sojourn Yoga. And that's why we're here with her to talk about uh, those three passions, how she brought them all together, and what her nonprofit is dedicated to. Jordan, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Steve. Yeah, I admire that because an overworked uh, word in our language is passion. People, I have a passion for the weather or I have a passion for clothes. Uh, Real passions are hard to come by. Three of them are amazing. So just briefly uh, tell us about those three things and how they resulted in in Sojourn. So to make a long story very short, I uh, had done my undergrad in journalism and lived abroad in Southeast Asia and was a reporter and uh, simultaneously was also um, teaching yoga when I got back to the U.S. and was freelancing. And I saw that there was a really big disconnect in terms of how um, yoga studios in, in the States were operating in terms of, you know, saying that they were doing the good work, but maybe not actually um, having it be more about self than selflessness. And um, honestly, like living abroad was an incredible experience. And for me, like travel has always been the best education. Um, of course, realizing that, you know, a lot of people don't don't have access access to it. And um, even more so, a lot of um, the people who I was connecting with and interviewing when I was in Southeast Asia didn't necessarily have um, access to mindfulness, even though for so many of us, we think of, you know, doing a yoga pose or being able to sit and meditate, you know, as um, something that that everyone is able to do. But if you don't have um, sustenance or shelter or support, you're not going to carve out your day to be able to engage in these kinds of um, activities, especially if you're worried about where your next meal is coming from. Um, And anyways, I guess this is turning into a longer story than and I had anticipated. No, no, no. It, it's great. Um, it's interesting you mentioned a disconnect in that context because, yeah, you're right. A lot of people look at yoga, whether they look at it beneficially or just exercise, as a, um, you know, an addendum to their life, something they're able to do because they've got some time and some access 
Uh, you talked about the disconnect. Uh, a little more about that. What did you see in New York yoga uh, facilities that you thought was lacking specifically? So specifically, it didn't very few studios or or teachers that I either worked with um, or worked for really went out on a limb in terms of doing what's known as seva, um, which is the Sanskrit word for together with or or um, service. And so I found it really frustrating and honestly really hypocritical and disappointing that so many of these individuals kind of, you know, pride themselves on being um, enlightened or um, holier than thou, you know, be it doing kirtans or engaging in this, you know, kind of higher spiritual, you know, work. But then at the end of the day, um, they didn't necessarily want to go out of their way to do a fundraiser or to incorporate um, a donation into any of their retreats. And to me, that was the biggest thing that was missing from the space because yoga retreats have become so popular, especially I would say in the last 10 or 15 years, um, wellness as a whole, it's a billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. And so with that being, you know, sad, going to these countries and going to these destinations and really, you know, using retreat in terms of the word to hide and not engage and to not have a cultural immersion and not really care or want to give back in any way, shape or form was just like unbelievable to me. And so for me, I was like, I don't want to be a part of the system anymore. I'd rather create something of my own and build my own platform that is all about, you know, being holistic in the true sense of the word when when using travel. And for me, it's always been girls education. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, over 130 million, you know, young women are out of school globally. And for, you know, many different reasons from um menstruation to having to help their families to um, global warming. And so it really is, it's a crisis um, yep. that eighty percent of our population isn't getting the same educational um, needs that the other 50% are getting. And so um, what we do is we include a three to $500 donation per person. So if you sign up and your friends sign up, that's already between 600 and a thousand dollars that's going out. Um, and that goes to scholarships, it goes to building dormitories, to uniforms, to food, to supplies. Um, and you actually get a chance when you're there to meet who we're giving to. And so it becomes about really changing the way that even people are are donating. And so it's more about equality than hierarchy, because we're trying to um, even the playing fields as much as possible so that there is that transparency, there is that connection, and there is that heart opening that occurs. You know, so many things come to mind when you talk about that disconnect and the way you saw yoga's role in this. Uh, do you worry that too many people look at yoga uh, in, and put it in the same category, I should say, as Pilates or CrossFit or, or, you know, or some sort of physical activity that's divorced from its its real meaning? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's eight limbs of yoga. Um, if you look at it from a from a yogi philosophical standpoint, and so many people are just focused on the asana, um, which is only you know one out of out of the other seven. And so, um, to be honest with you, I think for a lot of people, you know, wanting to be more physically fit or more flexible or you know active, I think the gateway into yoga is just that. But I think the reason that so many people end up sticking around and um, 
end up, you know, having it be a lifelong practice because it is a practice, right? It's not about mastery in the same sense as it would be maybe like another sport, like being able to do, I don't know, a triple sow cow if you're a figure skater, um, is that every time you show up on your mat, it's a completely new and different experience. Right. Yoga, about- is a, yoga is a process. It's not a, uh, it's not something that has an end actually to it. So let's talk about the retreats. When and where were the first retreats held? So the first retreat we did was in 2016 to Peru, which was amazing. It was me and um, a friend of mine who who led it. And it was the very first yoga retreat either of us have ever done. Um, we'd both been teaching for a long period of time, but I didn't want to go somewhere that at that point in time was deemed to be kind of, you know, oversaturated where people are, are doing retreats. I really wanted to go somewhere that was maybe a bucket list destination. And so I think when choosing the destinations of where we go, it's it's kind of that sweet spot of, you know, we've done Cambodia, so people might want to see Angkor Wat or, you know, going gorilla trekking in Rwanda. And so it is about taking people, you know, out of their comfort zone and really going to these destinations that are a once in a lifetime experience. But what's so important about each place that we go to is that girls' education is being underserved. And so it really is about creating, you know, really intentional partnerships with the on the ground um, NGOs and um, foundations that we're supporting and working with. That's the other brilliant insight you bring to this effort. And that is that this isn't a bunch, if you'll forgive me, a bunch of, you know, sort of privileged uh, Western travelers who parachute into a community and dazzle them with, uh, you know, the sights and yoga. And you're, you're really dedicated to bringing this retreat experience and tying it into the community. Tell us how you do that. So one of the things that have grown out of this, and this is what I'm currently working on um, in lieu of um, kind of doing the retreats and everything else, and this is in alignment with with my current you know PhD dissertation, it's about making yoga more accessible to the young women who we are supporting and working with. Um, and by doing so, we're actually teaching them how to teach yoga, and then they can then decide do they teach it for themselves, to their parents, to their community, to one another, or do they just completely leave it at the door, leave it at the door if, if they don't like it? And so that's been a huge thing for me, not only personally, but also as a foundation and being able to generate our own project that can go deep instead of um, wide and having that kind of impact um, by being able to teach the skill set so that they can then pass it on and do with it as they see fit. This donation that comes out of the the fee, as it were, for for, for the retreat, how do you distribute that? How do you identify the uh, agencies that get the money? So um, we have a process in terms of like, hopefully what other people do as well is we have due diligence that, that we need to follow. And so um, usually it's through word of mouth um, or personal connection that we end up partnering up with these organizations. Other times, honestly, it's just been doing, you know, um, independent research. And so um, making sure that they're in alignment with our ethics and our principles in terms of always making sure that they're coming from a place of, um of equality and not kind of replicating, you know, power structures, which you see a lot of, unfortunately, you see a lot of NGOs do, um, where they're still kind of implementing, be it language or imagery that to me is very reminiscent of colonialism or imperialism. And so that's something that from the get-go, we're very verbal about saying that's not something that we engage with. And that's actually something that we have cultural sensitivity guides that we give out um, before every retreat as well to let people know kind of what to expect 
um, not only the place where we're going, but also that's uh, what's expected of them as well in terms of, you know, their behavior and their code of conduct. And so um, it's always about girls' education. I would say most of the organizations that we work with focus on secondary school. So um, young women who are, I would say, like 12, 12 to 18, because um, that's such that's such an important time. Um, and that's oftentimes when these young women drop out of school as well for various reasons. What's your experience with the, with the young women that you uh, come in contact with? How familiar are they with yoga? What's been so interesting about our on-the-ground teacher training program and that um, we ran in Rwanda, and that's what I'm currently doing in Morocco, um, is that maybe they've seen it on social media or on YouTube. And, um, you know, they might think yoga is, you know, kind of, you know, holding the thumb and pointer finger and doing this and, and meditating. Or or maybe they want to do something really, you know, physically demanding like a handstand or something that they've seen on, on TikTok um, but once you kind of peel back the layers and say it's about, you know, mind, heart and body and that kind of union, that yoking, which the word, you know, yoga um, means and originates from, um, it's the most incredible thing to to witness. Um, I've been working with the same group of girls now for almost um, two years, and they're now um, 16 and 17. When I started working with them, they were, um, you know, a little bit younger and um, really just seeing them step into their own and the kind of self-confidence that they exude. And they can each teach like a good, because I'm strict, they can each teach a good, you know, 30 to 45 minute yoga class. And it's all memorized. They're not using notes. Um, and they design their own meditations. And, you know, they, they've said that it's helped them in other aspects of their lives as well, like giving presentations in class as well. Um, and so, yeah, what's so fascinating to me too, is, is they all really love meditation. And I think it's that that ability to kind of sit and breathe and be with yourself, it's something that I think so many of us take for granted. because Well, we... and, and in the chaotic circumstances of their lives, the idea that you can go to a place that's calm and quiet must be really liberating and a revelation uh, for a lot of young girls. Jordan Ashley is our guest. She's founder and executive director of the nonprofit uh, Soldier and Yoga. It is um, dedicated to raising money, as uh, Jordan has said. To help educate uh, young women and girls all over the world, you know, uh, uh, Jordan, um, lots of places where uh, girls are held down for a multitude of reasons are uh, areas of civil strife, or famine, or drought. These are places that you probably can't get to right away, right? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, because we are leading retreats and we are taking people um, to these different places, it's like safety, you know, safety first um, and making sure that we can even like get into the country because, of course, there's oftentimes like a lot of, you know, red tape. But something else that comes to mind, and it's one of my goals, if not for 2024, then for 2025, and, and someone's asked me about this before, it's about doing a retreat in the U.S. We've never done a retreat in the U.S., and the U.S. by all means, unfortunately, ticks a lot of the same boxes that many of the other countries and destinations that we work with do. And so um, that's a goal of mine, because I think it's important to also say to turn the mirror on on ourselves, you know, being an American and saying our system is broken. And um, there's many people and there's many young women who also need access to, to education and resources as well. That makes sense for sure. One of the three passions that we talked about at the beginning with, uh, obviously, is you teach yoga uh, to people. 
Um, I want to learn a little bit more about that. Who, who, you know, who's a candidate for being a yogi, if that's the right term. Um, and also, if you would spend some time talking about the let's get into the weeds on what a retreat's like. If someone's sitting out there going, I'd love to go on a retreat. Where will I be staying? What will I be eating? Who, who will be in charge when we're on the ground? All of that. So first, tell me about well, tell me about that first. Tell me about the nuts and bolts of the retreat. For the most part, we work with local tour operators. It's another great way to be able to support the economy and the country or the destination that we're visiting is to be able to bring you know livelihood to these individuals who've dedicated their lives to tourism and to creating these really incredible experiences for us. And so I think you know leaning on someone else's expertise, especially someone who is indigenous or local to the place that we're visiting, has always been one of the highlights because then you're really able to understand and to see things through their perspective, and so it becomes much more macro um, as opposed to as opposed to just being you know micro and a bunch of you know um, tourists kind of visiting a destination. Um, we stay at. Um, Places that, for the most part, we hope are sustainable and and you know have um, the environment on on their minds. Um, we include packing lists and cultural sensitivity guides, as I mentioned as well, so people you know know what to expect beforehand. Um, and then we have an itinerary that we co-create um, both with the nonprofit that we're working with, and then also with the guides as well. Um, which you can see on the website and, and what to expect as well. So depending on where we go, it's going to be a little bit different. We always want each um, retreat to be uh, a unique experience. And so not trying to replicate another destination or another place that we go as well. Um, and really honoring the fact that we are dedicating time and place to being in you know said region. Uh, how long are the retreats? Between um, six nights and 10 nights. You've mentioned a couple of places that you've been to. You've mentioned the U.S. as a, as a goal. Where are the other places you, you would like to bring Sojourn? We've currently run retreats in, in seven different countries from South Africa, Rwanda, Morocco, Cambodia, the Tibetan Plateau in China, um, Peru, Nicaragua. Uh, we have our upcoming Morocco retreat this, this October and Sri Lanka is in February. Um, I might have missed a country or two because it's been a couple of years of, of doing this. But I'm always, you know, open in terms of um, if people have um, ideas or um, locations or nonprofits that need support. Um, we might be doing Jordan soon, which I'm really excited about. Um, it's always a place I've wanted to go. And then also potentially Nepal as well. Um, but what I will say is, is pre-COVID, my goal was to always do the retreats every single year in the same countries that we visit. So it's about longevity instead of just saying, oh, this this location is like cool for, you know, 2023 or this one's like cool for 2024. Um, it's really about making sure that we're sustainable in that way because the organizations that we um, donate to, they really do benefit from, from our visit and from the retreats. So you're a nonprofit. You're, you're in the fundraising business. Um, and getting the message out is important. So we're we're glad you can share that with us. Who's responding? Are these wealthy, semi-wealthy individual women uh, who want to go travel and and serve? Are you getting help from uh, larger groups and maybe corporations? I would say for the most, our retreats are open to anyone, you know, gender doesn't, doesn't matter. We've had, you know, men come on retreats before. And so I think men need to be a part of the conversation with, you know, um, supporting girls education globally. Um, but for the most part, I would say it's um, professional women who 
want to have more than just a yoga holiday, who really care about, you know, using their time off for good. Yeah. Let me let me apologize to the guys. I forgot that. Of course, they could be involved. Do couples go on these things? Yeah, several times we've had couples. Um, and that's always really fun. I always think it's a good dynamic to have like a mix, a mix of people um from either different parts of the country or different parts of the world or just different walks of life in general, because it makes for a much more interesting mix. Yeah, you know, that talk talk about a great idea when you're traveling with your uh, with your partner to do something like this. It's it has more, you know, it's way more than than sightseeing. Um, it can really be beneficial all the way around, all the way around. Uh, I, I, so what do people need to uh, to do to um, contribute? I mean, there's a way to contribute to you guys without exactly without doing the retreat, right? Yeah, as I said, we have our on the ground yoga teacher training program, and that's our own project. And our goal is to be able to expand it to the other countries and destinations that we work with. Um, so if people want to donate to that, that's on the website. Um, that's a great way to have impact um, because it really is about giving these young women the skill set, not only mm-hmm. to empower themselves, but also their communities as well. Um, and then we also do retreats and events. Um, so depending on where you are in the world, we, um, we're doing a festival in the UK, uh, September 16th and 17th. And then, um, a festival, what's, what's the, what type of festival describe? It's called replenish festivals. It's actually these two incredible yoga teacher, um, Hannah and Chrissy, um, they put together this amazing festival and all the funds go towards our on the ground yoga teacher training program. Um, I've never had anyone do anything like that, um, for soldier yoga before. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, I've actually never been to a festival, so it'll be, it'll be my first one, which, which I'm looking yeah. forward to. Yeah, I, I went to one a million years ago and it was, it was enough, but this is a great, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds, uh, it sounds like the perfect relationship, uh, to work because people love going to festivals. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, if you could get Taylor Swift involved in this, you'd, you'd be, you'd be well on your way. Congratulations. It's such a great idea. Finally, with regard to uh, learning uh, to be a yoga instructor, how difficult is that? How long does it take? I think anyone can teach yoga. And that's what I'm hoping our our project or on the ground training proves is that you don't need to have, you know, 200 hours and you don't have to go to a brick and mortar space that's going to charge you, you know, 3000 and, and up, you know, US dollars. I think it's really about giving the skill set to anyone who wants to learn. And it's not even about mastering everything. It's like you learn by teaching. Like I'm a much more confident teacher than I was when I, you know, finished my um my teacher training originally. It's just by doing. It's it's with any like anything in life. The more you do it, the better hopefully you you get at it because you learn from your mistakes and you evolve and you change and you have your ideas challenged as well. So hopefully that facilitates growth. As an instructor, which comes first? Does someone have to understand the essence of this practice first before they can even consider the the uh, techniques of it? Is it important to know what what we're dealing with, the essence of yoga and what it means? I think it helps, but also I think like what I've seen firsthand, like with these women, be it in Morocco and Rwanda, is that they end up falling in love with it because it's a practice that they're cultivating on their own. So they're not so much like looking outwards into, you know, what is being said about yoga because that might not honestly align with, with their own, you know, spiritual beliefs and practices. 
um, I think it's really about going inward and, and seeing, you know, what works for you. I don't know if that's a roundabout way of answering it. Um, but I think, you know, as I said earlier, so many people, you know, start their yoga practice because they want to be able to do something or, you know, touch their toes or, or, right. um, do an arm balance, um, you know, or like a cool, you know, party trick. And so I think they then end up, you know, coming back and coming back because they realize how amazing they feel afterwards because it's just carving out that 60 minutes or 90 minutes or even 10 minutes that, you know, you have for yourself. Um, and it's great because you're in a room and you're with a lot of people, but you might all be doing the same thing, but you're also on your own um, individual and independent journey as well. Well, thanks so much. Uh, I thought this was going to be um, informative. It certainly was. And it's inspiring as well, because it's such a great idea. People like to travel. They like to go to places. And sometimes they even like to help. And so putting them together is a great idea. More information. You can uh, find out about the retreats uh, and how to donate. Uh, the uh, website is SojournYoga.com, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Ashley, you're how close are you to finishing your dissertation? I have one more year, so it's like the home stretch. (laughs) What's the uh, what's the degree in? It's sociology, so it's looking at yoga as an embodiment practice for empowerment for teen girls in the Hyatt Mountains in Morocco. So a whole long title, which I'm sure will get edited down, but that's currently what I'm working with. Well, good luck, good luck there. Um, Where do where do you see this whole thing in a year, five years? I hope that our teacher training program has expanded and extended. And also, I think it's amazing for nonprofits, but also there's no reason why, as you said, corporations as well should be, you know, using the skill set as well. Um, you know, why human res- the person in human resources could very easily guide a meditation or um, someone who um, is middle management could also, you know. Yeah, well, te- these, these corporations are doing business in these places that, that you are going to and helping young uh, women get educated. It's, you know, there's a certain amount of self-interest they ought to consider and get get behind some, uh, something like this. Anyway, um, I'll let you enjoy. By the way, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but uh Jordan joins us from the UK, and I wanted to give a shout out not to uh, Great Britain, but to Zoom, because our connection held up, and I'm happy about that. Uh, <laughs> Jordan, thank, thanks so much. Uh, uh, you know, I'd love to have you back uh, after a, a while and see where this thing is, and we'll put this up and, and uh, make sure people um, can access it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you. And thank you guys as well. Don't forget, you know, you know, the drill, you follow us, you like us to write a review, that whole thing. It helps the behavioral corner. We'll see you next time. Millions of Americans are negatively affected daily by their mental health. Retreat has served the community for over 10 years, offering comprehensive mental health programming through our mental health division, Synergy Health Programs. To learn more about Synergy, please reach out today at 855 855- Eight zero two six six zero zero. That's it for now. And make us a habit, hanging out at the Behavioral Corner. And when we're not hanging, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On the Behavioral Corner. <laughs>